The second reading from St. Peter's second letter will be the sermon text for today as well. Peter, an eyewitness of the majesty and the glory of Jesus Christ the Lord. To be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice, which came out of heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word, You do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Since we know this above all else, no prophecy of Scripture ever, uh, no prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in him. I'm going to have to confess up front I did not write this sermon. Pastor Gum had this sermon already and prepared, so... So these are, these are mostly his words. I'll take a, a few liberties and make it mine somewhat. But uh, it's an excellent treatment. Thank you, Pastor, for the privilege. The, the years that had passed were roughly 35. The aging apostle still remembered the sight as if it were yesterday. He couldn't forget the glory of God radiating from the face of Jesus and the thundering voice from heaven. The memory was so vivid in his mind that he could not help but recall the importance of that day. Simon Peter was nearing the end of his, of his earthly life and the end of his ministry. Soon he would suffer a martyr's death, but he still had work to do. Fellow believers were under attack, not just from enemy armies, but from false prophets. The attacks of the false teachers, combined with increasing persecution, weakened the hope of those early Christians. Some of those false teachers were claiming this, that Peter and the other disciples had made up cunningly devised fables, myths, to show about Christ's coming in power. The false teachers dared to make this claim that Jesus would not come back. Jesus was not going to be the judge. So with his last letter to his fellow believers, a letter that was written with us in these last days in mind as well, Peter sought to defend the word of God one last time. He sought to defend the reality of his eyewitness account and that of the other apostles, to show that it was not only true, but that these words are the inspired word of God 
himself. To accomplish that, Peter took his readers back 35 years to that mountaintop, describing what he had seen and heard, sights and sounds that could only come from the one, from one who had seen the face of God and heard his voice. But to do this, we want to hear from the apostle himself. Why does it matter that we remember the transfiguration of the Lord in this time? Why would Peter want us to know that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty? Now we hear from Peter. My name was Simon, son of John. Our Lord Jesus Christ named me Cephas. Aramaic for the rock. He also called me Petros, or as you Americans pronounce my name, Peter, the rock. There's a little bit of irony in that title. It had been a difficult time for the Master. After nearly three years of traveling with him, the disciples and I saw him surrounded by gawking crowds, always clamoring for more and more attention from him. But we saw at the same time an increasing hostility developing, especially among the religious rulers of the Jewish people. We did not realize that in the last couple of months of his earthly ministry that he was under such strain you see, he taught with the authority that no other rabbi, no earthly master or scholar had ever done. He performed miracles in front of our faces, in front of our eyes. He, he, he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He restored hearing to the deaf. He turned water into wine. He turned a few scraps of fish and bread into enough baskets of meal to feed the multitudes. He even raised the dead. What an amazing time it was to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus. But he was carrying a, a growing burden. Of course, the Lord knew where he was heading. He knew what he was facing. He revealed to us in plain words... I am going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful people. I am going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'll be killed, but on the third day I will rise again. Imagine if some of your most embarrassing words were recorded on the pages of Scripture that people would read again and again for all time. This is what happened to me, Peter. When Jesus revealed what would happen to him, I stood up. I said, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And you know what Jesus said to me? He looked at me straight in the eyes and he said, get behind me, Satan. He called me his greatest enemy. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I should have known. 
Later I would know what it means to carry the cross of Jesus and to follow him. The Lord knew that he needed to prepare me for a difficult journey. He said, Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I didn't realize how awful all of that sifting would be. I didn't realize that this would affect not only Jesus, but all of those who follow him. To prepare us for that eventual agony, Jesus took Peter and John, the sons of Zebedee, and me up on a mountain, Mount Hermon, up in the high lands of Galilee, the northern part of God's promised land to the Israelites. We didn't know why we were there, but we were soon to find out. The Lord wanted to show us who and what he really is. For the rest of my life, I will never forget what I saw next. As we were standing there, suddenly Jesus was transfigured. His face was shining like the sun. His clothing became as white as the light, whiter than a dry cleaner can bleach this robe. It was amazing. One moment, we saw Jesus as he normally looked to us day by day, and the next, he was shining with such glory that our eyes were dazzled. We were shocked. We had never seen the Lord like this before. But then, even to add to our amazement, there stood before him the great prophet Moses and the prophet Elijah. They were standing there with Jesus discussing his eventual departure from Jerusalem. Such a big concept is described in that little phrase, his departure from Jerusalem. This speaks about the way of sorrows. When Jesus was carrying the burden of our sin up to Mount Calvary, the Skull Mountain, when Jesus was hoisted up on that cross, that terrible instrument of torture, and when he would finally breathe his last and his Father would receive his soul back to himself. Jesus and Moses and Elijah were speaking about these things, but we couldn't understand. But I had to say something. After all, I'm Peter. John and James had the good sense to keep their mouth shut, but I had to open my mouth. And again, these words are recorded for you to read as well. I said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, like we should set up shrines to prophets and saints. I didn't know what I was saying. It was such an amazing moment. I really didn't want it to end. I even volunteered to put up the shelters myself, but the truth is, I was confused just as frightened as James and John. But they said nothing. The next thing that happened, Jesus never responded to my statement, but then suddenly, suddenly there was a bright 
shining cloud. At that moment, it surrounded us. It was God's majestic glory that surrounded us. And it was very terrifying, especially because we recalled that the majestic glory is something that shows up when God is about to do something really big. The majestic glory showed up when God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. That, that majesty of God shows up on Mount Sinai when God revealed his terrible and frightening law. The majestic glory shows up in the temple when God shows his presence to the Israelites and accepts their sacrifices for sin. This majestic glory shows that God is about to do something amazing, but we didn't know what it was. Now, if that was frightening, the voice that thundered from heaven was even more frightening. We heard the voice of the Father himself. This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. God the Father was placing his seal of approval upon his own Son. He was about to place his seal of approval about the work that Jesus was to do, going to Jerusalem to be the sacrifice for our sins. As I remember this, and as I wrote in my letter, he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory. We heard his voice, which came out of heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. James and John and I were sinful mortals standing in the presence of a holy God, and so we fell to the ground face down. If the holy God was going to strike us dead right there, we would not have been surprised. None of us wanted to stay on that mountain any longer from that point. But then suddenly the voice and the brilliant glory of the majesty disappeared. The master touched each one of us on our shoulders. And he said, get up. Do not be afraid. The majestic glory was gone. The glowing face, the bright shining clothes, Elijah and Moses, all were gone. Jesus looked at us with a look that only he, only he could give, a look of completely selfless love and boundless compassion for foolish sinners like us. It was the same look that he would give me on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after he rose from the dead when he forgave me for publicly denying him three times. How thankful I was to see that sight. None of what we saw would have mattered if our Lord Jesus did not allow himself to become uh, betrayed, to suffer and die on a cross, and finally to rise from the dead. In fact, our Lord commanded us not to speak of what we had seen until the Son of Man had been raised from the dead. And another embarrassing moment recorded for all people of all times to read in scriptures was this fact that I discussed with John and James 
as we came down from the mountain. Now, what did Jesus mean by rising from the dead? I would learn three days after his death when I saw the empty tomb and when Jesus appeared to me to forgive me and when he appeared to all of the disciples and a group of 500 brothers, I knew what he meant, that he was truly raised from the dead, that he truly lives and reigns as true God and our Savior forevermore. These were not cunningly devised fables. We have the completely reliable word of God. The prophets spoke the truth. And as I said in my letter, you do well to pay attention to it. As a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is not a story that any human being would have devised. No prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. This testimony comes from God himself. There's a reason that Moses and Elijah were the ones who had appeared there with Jesus. Through them, the Lord had delivered his faithful people. But they were shadows, they were prefigures of the true and greater deliverance that Jesus would bring. When Jesus, the Son of God, came in the flesh to take on our deadliest foe on Mount Calvary, he was fulfilling what the Father said on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is the Son of God. He is our Savior, and He will be with us as we are sifted like wheat in our time, as the people in Peter's time were also sifted. He's preparing us, and I include myself, Peter, and all believers in this, preparing us for the journey ahead. If we were eyewitnesses of this event, then we were eyewitnesses also of the rest of the story. Our Lord came down from the Mount of Transfiguration to climb another mountain and to die for you and me. There he spoke these most important words. It is finished. He has completely paid the debt of our sins. He has completely washed us clean and guaranteed that every one of us who has faith in Jesus will live with him forever. We need to remember the truth of these words. Because we were eyewitnesses, we know that we will make it through every age whether we are persecuted, whether we are harassed by false shepherds and false prophets, whether we are persecuted in the world, even if our family and closest friends betray us, we know that our Savior will be faithful to us. I cannot help but tell you this same story that I, Peter, saw 
Jesus Christ is God's beloved Son who came to save you and me and will come again to bring us to be with him one day. Amen.